Hey, thanks so much for joining us at our Red Rocks Church podcast. If you're new here, we're just a bunch of broken, messed up, imperfect people pursuing a perfect God. We hope that this message encourages your heart, builds your faith so that you can say yes to all of the plans and the purposes of God for your life. Enjoy this message. How we feeling? You sound good. Can you guys help me welcome everybody at all the Denver-based locations, Austin, Texas, Brussels, Belgium, God Behind Bars, and everybody watching online, no matter what platform you're on. We're so glad you're with us today. We love you, no matter what you've been through, no matter what you believe, no matter what has happened to you, no matter what you might think about yourself right now. We want you to know that you're with us today. And in this place, you're going to be loved and welcomed and valued and accepted. You've already been prayed for. My wife's been praying for you all morning. That's a powerful prayer right there. So welcome home. Welcome to Red Rocks Church. We love you guys. Go ahead and have a seat. Come on. It's like we've done this before. Hey, can you guys give it up for the band at every location? Hey, before I get into the, uh, the message today, I'm going to take about, don't time me, but I think four minutes. Do not time me. Um, I have a very exciting thing that I want to share with you. Now, if you're part of this church you pr- and you were in church a few weeks ago, the campus pastors brought this up, but this is the first time that I get to share this with you um, as a church family, and, I, and I'm super excited about this, and I, I think it's going to be something really special for our whole church um, but as you guys know, if this is your church, if this isn't your church, my name's Sean. I work here. <clears throat> um, if this is your church, you know I have been uh, really open about my anxiety and depression struggles, um, really over the, li- the, the life of the church, but especially over the past few years. And uh, about two and a half years ago, it got to a place, it got to a breaking point where I knew I could not continue going on the way I was ended up taking some time off of work, and you guys were so gracious to me and, and so supportive, and I can't thank you enough. I went into seven weeks of inpatient anti-anxiety counseling, and that has led to probably hundreds and hundreds of hours of counseling and therapy and getting advice from pastors and mentors and spending time in the Word. And for two and a half years, I've just been writing down everything I've learned and what I've come to the conclusion of is this, we do not have to just deal with depression and be attacked by anxiety, but through the powerful name of Jesus Christ, we can take a stand and we can attack back and we can begin to find some peace and some joy and some freedom that we never thought possible. And so I've been writing all this stuff down and working with a a publisher for the last two years, and I cannot wait to tell you guys that that I have a book coming out. It's called Attacking Anxiety. And... um, we, we as a church are going to go through it together starting February 13th, and we're getting small group curriculum put together, so we're going to talk about this stuff on the weekends. We're going to be able to get together in small groups and, and, and process it. We'll have monologues on the weekends, and then we'll get together during the week, and you guys will have dialogues about it, and I just think it's going to be really special. So here, now here's, here's what I got to say, though, and this is, 
most of you don't care about this. I have to say it for, my, for myself. If you're outside of Red Rocks Church, you probably wouldn't know this, but it's actually the second book that I have written. Um, but most people, we give it away at church if you get, whenever somebody gets saved. The reason most people don't know about it is because I just I was so hesitant to talk about it because I never wanted I never wanted anyone to think, man, he doesn't care about people. He just wants to push a product. And, and I was just afraid of some people feeling that way. And so I never wanted to say anything about it. And so when I started writing this really seriously about two years ago, I had to sort of cross this line in my mind and I had to go, listen, if I believe that God has given me a message that can help people literally around the world with anxiety and depression, then I have to be willing to say it's here and you can get it, right? And so I just don't like it. I wish I was telling you about Doug's book on anxiety because I promo the heck out of that. I just never want, and so I'm telling you, church family, if you could, if you could put my soul on a polygraph test, like I don't care about pushing a product. I've had so many years taken away from me with anxiety and depression, and I want to help people around the world. And so I'm going to do my best to talk about it. My publisher the other day was, oh, let me tell you a funny story. So I get real excited. The book goes out for, for uh, pre-sale or pre-order or whatever they call it, pre-something, before it comes out. And um, I'm like, wow, this is kind of a big deal. And I'm on, I'm on, this is what was supposed to be on Barnes & Noble's website. Go ahead and put that picture up. That's my new headshot. Thank you, Connor. You could have got rid of some more grays, but we'll talk later. Um, and then it's, you know, Sean Johnson serves as lead pastor of Red Rocks Church. What was actually on Barnes & Noble website was this. That's Sean Johnson, the gymnast. Sean Johnson serves as lead pastor of Red Rocks Church. She has time to be an Olympic athlete and pastor this church. She's amazing. I'm like, oh my gosh, I hope nobody finds this out. My sister saw it and posts it. So thank you. That's what family's for. So, so my publisher this week was like, hey, um, would you be willing to ask some people to pre-order it? And I'm like, I don't understand why I would ask people to pre-order it. We live in an Amazon Prime world. If I, if I order something and I don't get it in eight minutes, I'm a little annoyed. You know what I mean? Like that's our, and they said, no, listen, here's the deal. When it comes to all the book retailers around the world, Barnes & Noble, Amazon, all, the, all of them, they decide now before it comes out based on how many people pre-order it if they're going to take their own resources and tell people around the world about it. And so they're like, do you think you could ask your friends and family if they would consider pre-ordering it? I said, I got a big family, y'all. And so Red Rocks Church, if you think, you know what, I'm going to get this thing, I deal with this stuff, or somebody I love deals with this stuff, or I just want to have it when we go through the series, would you consider pre-ordering it today? Because that will help these other retailers spend their own money telling people it's going to be available. And, and then I'm excited about that. And if you do, and I'm about to wrap up, and then we're going to actually, whew, a little more than four minutes, then we're actually going to have a sermon. If you do pre-order it, the publisher has sweetened the deal. Go ahead and put that up. Um, if you get the first three chapters right now, which is really cool, because at the beginning of the book, I start talking about um, your anxiety and your depression does not mean, here's what it doesn't mean. You're not crazy. You're not alone. And this will end. And, and, it's, and it's so exciting. And so, so you get that free. 
my Spotify playlist, I put together an attacking anxiety Spotify playlist. I try to share it with the world. It's songs that I play when I'm feeling anxious. If you pre-order, they're going to send you a link to that and make it easy peasy. And then here's the coolest thing. You get a panic attack survival guide. So in the book, I put this appendix and I've been, I've had so many panic attacks and I have unfortunately so much experience with this that I've put together this thing called Panic Attack Survival Guide where it's five things you can do for yourself if you're in the middle of a panic attack or five things you can do for a loved one in the middle of a panic attack. And if you pre-order the book, they're going to send you that appendix now or some cliff notes of it. And so I'm really excited to get that to you as soon as possible. So, all right, I'm going to shut up. We're done with that. Let's do church. I told my wife that I got an agent and she goes, so... Are you going to write how you talk or try to sound smart? I'll talk to my counselor, babe. Welcome to week two of Established 2022. Thank you guys for your patience in letting me do that. That was, that was important for me. Thank you. Um, so we're in this series called Established 2022. Doug did an amazing job of kicking this thing off last week. I thought it was funny that he was talking about his gray hair. Bro, you don't know. You don't know. I've got, no one except the tech team knows this. I've got a lighting system for when I preach. I make them turn off certain lights so it doesn't make my hair look quite as gray. Doug, you'll learn, bro. You'll learn. You're a a young Jedi in training. Colossians 2, 6 and 7. So then just as you have received Christ Jesus as Lord, if you haven't, I'm going to give you a chance to do that before you leave here today, and it's going to change everything about your here and now and your eternity. But it's not a stagnant thing. We continue to walk in him, being rooted and built up in him and established, here it is, established in the faith, just as you were taught and overflowing with gratitude. Here's what, we, here's what we don't want to do because it doesn't do anything for us. Here's what, we don't want to be the, I dip my toes in the Jesus pool every now and then. I got the Jesus is my homeboy hat and assume it's going to do something for me. I, I check out church every now and then. Somebody in my family's got a relationship with God. Like It's why people go, I tried God and didn't experience anything. Didn't see any change. We don't want that. We want to be rooted, grounded, established in Christ, established in God's word. Let it be the foundation that everything else goes off of. And Jesus says, if you you live this way, life changes, right? That's what we want to be. And so Doug started us off by saying there's four things we're going to talk a whole lot about this year. Go ahead and put that graphic up if you would. To become established in 2022, we want to experience God. That's what we're doing right now. God's word says when two or three of us get together and Jesus is the focus, he says, my presence is there in a very unique and a special way. And, and we, want, we want you to, that's why we say, man, if it, I love that you're joining online, but if you're near a building, get in a building. I want you to experience this with us. Experience God, find family, discover your purpose, figure out why you're wired. Take, get, a, get a new realization about your life that you are the way you are for a reason, for a specific purpose. God made you like that on purpose because he's got a plan and a purpose for your life so that you can go change the world. Let's go make a difference and change the world, right? Those are the four pillars for this established 2022 thing. And so that's where we're headed. Last week was experience God. Today is week two, which is find family. And as Doug pointed out last week, the order matters, how many of you got his math equation right last week? 
There's like three hands up, Doug, just so you know. That was stupid. <clears throat> My 13-year-old son was sitting next to me and got it right. I haven't heard the end of it. Luke 15, if you have a Bible, flip over to Luke 15. Luke 15 is a story that, if this is your church family, you should be familiar with by now because we have always felt like from the jump that this story in part describes who we want to be as a church family. And in Luke 15, it starts with this dad and he's got two kids and there's some problems with the younger son in this story. And, and all of you parents, you know, you got to look out for the youngest one, especially when he's got older brothers. Because my, my youngest son, man, he's just grown up having to fight for everything, having to defend everything, having to pretend he's tougher than he is. So there's this confidence, some might say arrogance, I like to say confidence, that comes with the younger son. In fact, my younger son was going to a costume party recently, and he came downstairs and he looked like this. I said, what in the world are you supposed to be? He goes, I'm you, dad. Yeah, he doesn't live with us anymore. <laughs> if you're new, I've had a couple surgeries, whatever. You got to watch out for the younger one. The younger one in Luke 15 says, I want to take my inheritance. Theologians believe he probably got about a third of everything the father spent his whole life building, a third of this estate, a third of his wealth. And he takes it and he goes off to another country and he just parties and gets crazy and goes off the rails and loses everything ends up homeless, starving to death. He gets a job feeding pigs, and his wages are he gets to eat pig food and sleep with the pigs, and that's his life. And he couldn't smell worse, and he couldn't look worse, and he couldn't be worse off than he is. And he comes to this realization when, at one point. He goes, you know what? I need the Father. And truthfully, it's the same realization that so many of us, thousands and thousands of us watching this from literally around the country right now, I mean, around the world right now, would say, that was me. Maybe not to that extreme, but I had made some mistakes, and I was apart from the Father, and one day I realized I need the Father, and I came home. I need his grace. I need his mercy. I need his forgiveness. We're all the same. We need the Father. This son realizes I need the Father. Watch what happens when he starts coming home. He starts trying to sneak up the driveway. But see, this dad is different. This dad had been watching every single day, hoping that today would be the day that my son would come home. Just so you know, if you haven't, there's a creator of the universe who sent his son Jesus to die on a cross to pay the price for your sins. And right now he's watching you every single moment, every single day, wondering, will this be the moment that my son or my daughter will come home and I can welcome them home with open arms and lavish gifts on them like grace and mercy and forgiveness and restoration and give them my spirit and give Give him heaven forever. He can't wait. So he got up and he went to his father. But while the son was still a long way off, his father saw him. He'd been watching and was filled with compassion. He ran. Picture God doing this with you today. Some of you for the first time. Some of you for the first time in a long time. He ran, threw his arms around his neck and kissed him. The son said to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and in your sight. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. It's the same thing we feel, all of us. I can't go to God. I'm not worthy. I can't go back to God. I'm not worthy. I've made too many mistakes. I promised I wouldn't. I did it. I can't. This father's different. This father told his servants, quick, bring out the best robe and put it on and put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and slaughter it and let's celebrate with a feast because this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. So they began to celebrate. Somebody say amen. amen. 
I should have said somebody clap because I really just wanted to take some water. I didn't really care what you were doing. And I had one clap down here like this. Thank you for that. First thing he did, experience God. Now, as we read when we started, we're gonna continue to walk with God. So we don't just experience God once. You don't experience God just one time, but there does have to be a first time. You don't just experience God one time. That's why we say, keep coming back every single week. Let's get together and do this every single week. I need his presence every single week. I need his reminders every single week. I need his word every single week. I need to rub shoulders with other brothers and sisters in Christ every single week. It's not a one-time thing, but there's got to be a first time. So the son experiences God. And if this is your church, you're familiar with that passage, but you know what we just sort of blow over every time is the very end of it. And that's what I want to point out today. Because we have said for, sev- for several years, we exist to make heaven more crowded by being a place that welcomes home prodigals, it almost, if you don't know any better, it almost sounds like that's where the story stops. We're just a church who loves to let broken people come join in and join the family, and, and you find Jesus, and we're done. Finding Jesus, experiencing God, is, is, salvation is not the end of the story. It's the beginning of your new story. So notice what happened there. The father welcomes him, forgives him, accepts him, loves him, just like God has with us. Notice the very next thing he did. Actually, first notice what he did, what he didn't do. He's got a robe. He's got sandals. You almost think he's setting him up for a massage. You need some alone time, son. You're filthy. Let me get you a massage. Let me get you a hotel. I sometimes ask my wife, what do you want for your birthday, babe? And she's like, I just want a hotel for one night. I'm like, where are we going? She goes, no, 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 no. I just want a hotel for one night. I don't know what that says about our relationship. He didn't put him up in a room. He didn't get him room service. He didn't get him a spa treatment. He didn't say, you need some refreshment. You need a nap. You've got to be exhausted. No, no, it's the very first thing he did. Now that you've experienced me, son, it's time to go find family. Stoke up the fire. Get the party going. Call all the brothers. Call the sisters, because we're going to have a feast and celebrate. The very first thing the father did after he, his son came home was say, now you got to find family. Got to. Can't do this thing on your own. I made it three weeks trying to be a Christian by myself, three weeks. And then I was doing everything that I promised myself I wouldn't do again, went back to drugs, almost OD'd. And the pastor's wife, I've told some of you this before, called me the next day. I'm like, she couldn't have called me anytime. I was good for three freaking weeks. She called me the day after I fell apart. She said, it's your environment. It's not rocket science, Sean. It's who you're doing life with, right? Like you can't hop in the car with people going west if you want to go east. It's just, she pointed this verse to me. Walk with the wise and become wise for a companion of fools suffers harm. Written by Solomon, the wisest man to have ever lived, and and he's not talking about IQ or EQ. Chapter one of Proverbs, he says, the beginning of wisdom is the fear of the Lord. 
So what he's, ta- what he's saying here is very simple. If you want to be somebody who's trying to get close to God, you need to start doing life with people who are trying to get close to God. If you do life with people who are trying to get close to God, you're going to get closer to God. If you do life with people who aren't trying to get closer to God, you won't. He's not saying don't have any non-Christians in your life. He's not saying that at all. He's saying, but you need to take a look at your inner circle. You need to take a look at the people who actually get to be a part of your day-to-day. Here's my fears. Here's my dreams. Here's my story. Here's my heart. Where do I get advice from? If that group has the fear of the Lord, if that group is a group of people saying, I'm not perfect, not even close, but I want to be closer to God, then that group's going to take you closer to God. There's no neutral relationships when it comes to our relationship with God. We either have people in our life that take us closer to him or people in our life that bring us more apathy and eventually take us further from him. It's taken me many years to realize, but would you put that statement up? We were created to pursue the plans of God with the people of God. It's how we were created. It's how it's supposed to work. It's how the, it's how the church has been doing life since there was a church. Guys in the back, I know I went out of order, but who cares? <laughs> Acts 2.42. The apostle, Jesus died on a cross to pay the price for our sins. On the third day, he rose from the dead, proving he was the one and only son of the one and only God and the one and only way to heaven. And then he gives some great advice over a period of 40 days, meets with over 500 eyewitnesses. I mean, it's crazy. And, and then he ascends up into the heavens, and then the, the disciples are freaked out, and they go pray, and they get the Holy Spirit, and the apostle Peter stands up, preaches the very first sermon, 3,000 people get saved, and the church, that thing that Jesus had earlier told his buddies, I'm going to start this thing called the church, and the gates of hell can't stop it, the church got started that day. Watch what they did from the jump. Acts 2.42, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship. They got together for services, then they got together with family, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Verse 46 and 47, they continued to meet together in the temple courts. That was the service. That was the time when they got together and had some corporate time in the word and corporate worship. Then they broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. That's been the plan from day one. Experience God, find family. Our problem is, 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 and I know it because I have this propensity in my own heart is I just don't need it. I don't. And I don't want to sit around a living room with a bunch of Christians and read a book. Like that sounds like torture. Right? And I don't need it. And I'm fine. And it's just me and God. And I got to. The problem is, it's just not what the Bible says we're supposed to do. We're supposed to experience God and find family. It's the rhythm, it's the order, it's how it works. I want to make it practical. I have a motive. My hope for you is every single person that calls this place home gets in a Red Rocks Church small group. I want you to find family on purpose. Some of you are watching from countries around the world. We got online groups. Would you go ahead and put that big graphic up? I want to make this crazy practical. Take a screenshot of this if you need to, but I don't think you will. You can go on our website or our app. I forget which. One of them, it takes three clicks to make this happen. One of them, it takes two clicks. Very simple. And you, in two or three clicks, you can get in a small group. 
We have over 75 small groups that are, that are right now saying, we got room, come join ours. But depending on where you're at or what day of the week or maybe who's doing it or maybe your flavor or your people you like to be around, you're like, I don't know if my option's there. That's easy. Go back to that big screen. Thank you. Then start a group. Hit that button. We'll have you trained in less than a week. It's easy peasy. You don't have to be a theologian. We'll give you discussion topics. We'll give you the whole thing. All you got to do is be willing. Get together with whoever you want. Start your own group. Couple clicks. Parents, students, Wednesday nights matter. It's not just a fun hangout, although it is that. We got 800 to 1,000 kids every single Wednesday night from junior high through high school that get to come together. They do both in one night. They get together for corporate worship and praise, and they get a word from our amazing youth pastors about things that apply just to their life, and then they break up into small groups. They experience God and find family every Wednesday night. If you're a student or a parent, you got to make that happen. Young adults, Thursday nights, 7 o'clock, I think, Connors, at 7, 7 o'clock at, at Lakewood. Experience God, find family, let's start doing this thing. Go back, thank you. Get in a group, start a group, youth group, young adults matters, and grow. You heard, you heard Doug mention this last week, and, and you're probably like, I'm sorry. Grow starts in March. We are starting this thing. Our staff's like, no, you're not. You've told us you've been doing it for a year. Whatever. Make more funny videos. You don't scare me. <laughs> if you're not on staff, you're like, what's he talking about? We have a staff Christmas party, and our interns made fun of us for not starting Grow when we promised, and so they're all fired, too. So <laughs> you can go live with my youngest son. So um, for 17 years, people have been saying, how do I get plugged in? How do I get connected? How do I get in a group? How do I get on a team? How do I get involved with this place? It's It's chaotic. And for 17 years, our answer has been, well, you can check the app out or something, or I'd love to introduce you to the campus pastor, or uh, you can do it, but it's not been made very easy. That all changes in March. We're going to do this thing the first and second Sunday of every month, starting in March, right after a service, you can go to one of these grow sessions, and we're going to help you. We're going to help you know how to experience God as a part of this place and how to find family and get in a group, how to discover your purpose and how to start making a difference. It's going to be game-changing for our church, I'm telling you guys. So that starts in March. So put that on your calendars. The first weekend in March, that starts. So start a group, get in a group, start a group, get to youth or young adults, and look forward to grow, and let's make this thing practical. Amen? Yeah, Sean, but I'm already in a group, and I was kind of hoping to get something out of today. I know you. That's okay. I'll come for you, too. Put that graphic up on the LED wall, if you would. Red Rocks Church groups. We got to be careful. Don't just get together. Get real when you're together. You can be in 12 small groups and be real with nobody. And it's the, it's the, I choose to be vulnerable. I choose to be real. I choose to share with you the broken side of me that I pretend isn't there. I choose to tell you my struggles. I choose to tell you my sins. I choose to tell you where I need help. I choose to let you have my back. And I choose to tell you I got yours. That's a different level. We got, we got small groups of every kind at this church. We got sports small groups. We got teams in every league you can imagine. You can play flag football, soccer, volleyball, hike a mountain, ride a bike, run a race, knit a sweater, 
read a book. I mean, we got it. In that sweater group, you know I love church swag, so what's happening? We got them all. You can be in one of every single category and not be going real and deep with anybody. And then we miss it, don't we? Galatians 6.2. This is a powerful four words. Bear one another's burdens. That's how we were created to live. There's nothing manly or tough about I got this on my own. It's actually goes against what the Bible teaches. I'm supposed to let somebody bear my burdens and they're supposed to let me bear theirs. But that only happens if we're real together. I am surrounded by I have a cheat code, right? Because I work at a church. So I'm surrounded by I lead this church with uh, I get to do church with so many friends that are amazing men and women of God. I have this cheat code. But I'm also in a small group with a bunch of men, and none of them work at Red Rocks Church. And if they find out that I had a bad week, and they find out a week later, oh, I'm in trouble. Like, I love this small group, because I don't run it. I just get to be in it. And I get laid into if I don't share my stuff. Like, oh, literally, one of the guys just called me this week, and he goes, oh, I'm sorry. Do we only talk when things are good? Why didn't I know that was going on? Why didn't we as the group know that was going on? And I have all the same excuses you have. Well, I don't, I don't want to burden you guys. I don't want to bug you guys. You guys got your own stuff. I don't want to let anybody down. I don't want to be complaining all the time. I don't want to be perceived as weak. I, don't want, I got the same excuses you've got. We can't bear each other's burdens if we don't get past that stuff. At some point, I got to go, guys, I'm not Superman. And here's what's up. So part of our small group, every single time we meet, is we just go around the circle. There's seven or eight of us. One of the guys just moved, but he zooms in sometimes and was just here in person this week. And it's what's going on. And there's no fluff allowed. No, no, no. What is going on in your life? The scary, the ugly, the fearful, the whatever. And we, that's how we start. Because we're going to get real from the jump. We're not messing around. You need that in your life. You need some people that when they find out you were struggling two weeks ago and didn't tell anybody, they're mad. You need that. That's good for our souls. That's how we bear one another's burdens. Romans 12, 15, rejoice with those who rejoice, mourn with those who mourn. Again, can't do either of those if we're not real. We can be in a group. I was recently talking with an amazing guy. He was telling me about all these struggles that he's been having with anxiety and depression and even suicidal thoughts. And one of my first questions was, does anyone in your small group know? He said, no. That'd be, that'd, be, that'd be the case for a whole bunch of us if we were honest. I'm dealing with X, Y, and Z. Does anyone in your small group like know how bad it really is? No. Why not? We got to get past that stuff, right? It's because we've, we've got this like line in the sand of our mind. And it's like, I can share most of my junk, but there's a few things that I got to keep just to myself because I'm so embarrassed of them. There's got to be a time when I go, no, you guys get to be a part of my whole life. And then I'll be a part of your whole life. And then you know what? It makes the good times better. When we rejoice together over the things that are rejoiceful, 
The rejoicing is better. It's way more fun because we've actually done life together. It makes the good times great, but it makes the bad times doable. That's the goal. That's the way we're supposed to do it. We experience God, then we immediately find family. Here's what I don't want for us, Red Rocks Church. Wait, you know what? Let me, let me back up. Let me share one more because I think this one's important. James 5.16. How are we doing? Okay. Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. If you put your faith in Jesus, you're made perfectly righteous, so you qualify as a righteous person, right? So if I have faith in Jesus and you have faith in Jesus and I tell you where I have sinned and you tell me where you have sinned and we pray for each other, according to God's word, there will be healing. That's powerful stuff right there. That's what we want. Look, I can't tell, I can't give this message if I'm not walking it with my small group. That's why I had to tell you first, I screwed up a few weeks ago. During COVID, you guys remember the time when like you could meet in someone's house, but it wasn't really encouraged. And if you were going to meet in someone's house, you should have like high ceilings and good ventilation or something like that. That was kind of the like, I think that came from Fauci. Okay, shut up, Sean. Edit that out. Nah, leave it. Who cares? So my small group, we actually met here one night. We actually brought chairs out and sat on the stage. I'm like, you can't get more open space. Like, there's plenty of room for COVID to blow away. I mean, that's what we all thought was going to happen, right? <laughs> We're sitting on this stage in a small group meeting, and one of the guys flat out looks at me, and he goes, what's your, what's your most embarrassing sin? What's the thing that makes you feel the most shameful and distant from God? I'm thinking, bro. I'm the pastor of this church, and we are sitting on the stage I preach on. I told him. Told him all just like that. It's the only way we can have real family. They get to know me, and I get to know them, and we realize none of us are perfect, but we're so much better together because we've experienced God, and now we're building a family together. It changes things. That's what we want. Here's what we don't want. We don't want to be surrounded by people and suffering silently. We don't want to be surrounded by people and nobody really knows you. You don't want to be surrounded by people and lonely. And unfortunately, I think that is, that's a pandemic right now as well. Surrounded. Look at how many Facebook friends I got. Look at how many Instagram followers I got. Look at, look at all the amazing people I work with. Look at how many amazing people are in my family. I'm surrounded by people. And then we lay in bed at night and go, but nobody knows me. You don't want to be surrounded by people and surrounded by God's blessings and surrounded by opportunities and be lonely. And that's very real. We don't want that. In fact, King Solomon, the wisest man to have ever lived, says, I lived that. Couldn't be wiser, couldn't be richer, couldn't be surrounded by more people that say they love you than King Solomon. Here's what he says. He's talking about himself. Ecclesiastes 4. He says, there was a man all alone. He's talking about him. Had neither son nor brother. I didn't actually let anybody in. 
There was no end to his toil, yet his eyes were not content with his wealth. Incredibly, I work and I work and I work and I achieve and I achieve and I achieve. And, and I'm never quite satisfied. I've always got, sometimes it's good about me, sometimes it's bad about me, but I'm not content very easy. And I work hard to get what I feel called to do. Nobody knows me. For whom am I toiling, he asked. And why am I depriving myself of enjoyment? This too is meaningless, a miserable business. Wisest, richest, most successful king, surrounded by people. He says, but nobody knows me, and I'm miserable. Here's, what he, here, here, here's, his, here's his conclusion, and we get to learn from it. Two are just better than one because they have a good return for their labor. If either of them falls down, one can help the other up. He says, but here's what I've had to learn the hard way. Pity anyone who falls and has no one to help him up. I'm surrounded by God's blessings and I'm surrounded by success. And the truth is nobody's doing life with me because I don't let them. Man, we got to watch out, church. Would you put this last LED graphic up for me? I want you to say this with me. We're going to say it a few times so we'll, we'll figure out the cadence together. You ready? I was created to pursue the plans of God with the people of God. Again, I was created to pursue the plans of God with the people of God. Now, one more time, like you actually mean it. I was created to pursue the plans of God with the people of God. That's it. That's the plan. God says, experience me and then get yourself in some family because you need it. And I know you feel like you don't right now, but there will be a day. I promise you it's coming. And here's what it can't be. And this is why I wanted to talk about this in the established series. It can't be a good New Year's resolution that I ought to get in a small group. Because then you try one and it sucks and you're done. Right? I know the deal. Someone took me to a small group. I'm not kidding. I think it was less than two days after I got saved. And I was like, this might be hell itself. I got saved to avoid hell, but I don't know. This is bad. Like I went to this small group and it was in a living room and it was every nightmare I'd pictured. We started with worship. It's like 12 people, a little boom box. They're walking around the room like this, singing out loud, all of them. I'm over here in the corner like, I can't do that. And nobody wants to hear me sing. And then there was some, there was some tongues going on. I hadn't even heard of that yet. And I kid you not, before we sat down, they were like, Sean, why don't you pray for us? Oh my gosh. I'm never coming back ever. If it was just a good idea or a New Year's resolution or you know what I ought to do, you know what I ought to give a shot as a small group, I never go back to small groups. And I know that's a bunch of your story. I tried, didn't work. I tried, didn't like them. I try, try again. If it's something that I'm establishing into my life, then I keep trying until I make it work. I take down my pride a little bit. 
I try to elevate some humility a little bit. I try and get in somebody else's life who might even be at a different stage of life than me or see life differently than me or look differently than me. And I'm going to actually choose to get real. And I'm going to let you bear my burdens and you let me bear your burdens. And let's go see what God has for us. We got, um, our family got some news recently and, and the details are unimportant to the story, but it rocked, it rocked me. And uh, my, my first, my first like inclination was isolation. Throw my phone over there put on Netflix, talk to nobody, and just be sad. But see, I have a small group of people that I know they get really mad at me when I do that. And so I talked to one of the guys in the small group, one of the first people that I kind of started sharing some stuff with, and um, he's, a, he's a man's man. He's a cowboy at heart. He's one of the toughest dudes I've ever met. He, he, he owns a, a, an MMA mixed martial arts team and he doesn't tell his fighters how to fight. He shows them. Like you don't mess with this dude. Mentally as tough as it comes, loves Jesus. But he's not the kind of guy you wanna be sad in front of. In fact, he's the guy that I want him to think, I got a little something in me too. I got a little fight in me, coach. I call him coach. I called him up and we talked. We talked for about 30 minutes on the phone. He said, Sean, you're going to kiss this fire and walk away whistling. I said, coach, I don't know what that means. He said, I, I have what I call outlaw logic. You're going to kiss this fire and you're going to walk away whistling. What you heard is not going to steal your joy. That's what it means. It's not going to steal your joy. It's not going to steal your confidence. It's not going to change the calling on your life. You're going to kiss this fire. You're going to walk away whistling. And then, and then, this was, the, this was the most impactful part. He said, you know why? Because I'm walking with you. And I'll be there every single step of the way. And I got off that call with some confidence. I didn't have any when I got on the call. And I, I know that I have many men in my life that I would say, man, you're like my brother. He's one of them. And the only reason I get to benefit from him being with me and our relationships actually getting stronger in the process is because I was willing to say, here's the worst about me. You okay with that? That's where the real stuff is, guys. I'm going to get in a group, but I'm not going to hide. I'm going to say, here's the worst about me. You still want me here? But if you'll carry mine, I'll carry yours and you get mine back. I'll get your back and we'll do some life together. We'll go destroy Satan together. We'll go take the kingdom of God to the edges of the earth together. Right? 
and will do so with some freedom and some confidence, knowing that I'm not the guy that says, pity the one who falls and has no one to help him up. I'm the guy that says, I'm the guy that says, when I fell, look how many people came and tried to help me up and I'm walking with them right now. That's what I want for every single one of you guys. Amen. Would you stand up with me at every location? God, I thank you for your presence. I thank you for your son. I thank you that Jesus died for our sins. And today we can simply say, I want to receive that forgiveness and we can experience your presence, your spirit inside of us, your forgiveness, your salvation. We get heaven forever. We've never earned it or deserved it, but I thank you for it. And I thank you, God. I thank you that you go so far out of your way in your word to keep reminding us, sons, daughters, don't do this alone. Stop hiding who you are. Find some family. Get real with that family. Get each other's back and watch what happens. And I pray, God, that you would inspire every single one of us right now to either get in a group, start a group, or get very real inside the one we're already involved with. And I pray that life change would happen, God. I pray that absolute life change, freedom, and like your word promises, healing would take place in those groups. With everyone's eyes closed, I want to ask one question today. You may have had no idea why you joined this service, whether you're in a building or online. But God's been, been tugging on your heart. You can feel it. That's the creator of the universe lovingly drawing you into a relationship with him. And today you go, man, today's my day. Today I want his forgiveness. Today I want his spirit in my life. Today, I want to say yes to forgiveness and yes to heaven with him forever. And I'm I'm, I'm not going to be perfect. I don't even know exactly where to start. But today, I want to say yes to Jesus. I want to follow you. I want your forgiveness. I want heaven forever. I know that I know this is my moment. If that's you right now, raise your hand. This is my moment. I respond to Jesus today. I want you. I want your forgiveness. I want your spirit. I want your salvation. Amen. 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 God, I thank you for the lives that you're changing right now. Literally, for eternity, lives are being changed right now. Your word says that we're stepping from darkness into light. We're going from death to life. Brand new start, brand new life with you and on our way to heaven forever. And I thank you for this moment in Jesus' name. And everybody at every location said, amen. I love you, church. Let's worship.